So for the hunting dog people, the, I, I look at the, the formal retrieve as different than playing, right? So the last Labrador that I, was, that I, I raised, I taught him to tug. And when he played with toys, he did not have a soft mouth, right? He crushed them. But the way we teach the hold and things in the formal retrieve, a formal retrieve and a play retrieve are two very different things, right? People look at them the same, and I don't use play to create my formal retrieve. Formal retrieve is obedience performed on an object to get another reward. It's not the object as a reward. Play is the object as a reward. My dog's ball or tug is the object of their affection. And if I throw it, then my dog may get it and bring it back to me for the, so I can throw it again or tug with them, right? But that's a game that we play together, and I use that game to reinforce behavior. So my dog heals or downs or sits, I release them and I play this game with you to reward that behavior or reinforce that behavior. Formal retrieving is a set of obedience operations performed on an object that the dog doesn't consider a toy. You learn to take this object in your mouth and hold on to it. And when I mark it, you release it and get at some other form of reward. And so while I'm teaching the hold, that's where I encourage a soft mouth if I want to. So for retrievers and things like that, I'll frequently teach the initial hold on my hand. I teach them to hold my fingers in their mouth instead of a piece of PVC pipe or something like that. If I'm a hunting dog, then there. If they bite down hard, I make easy. And when they hold it nice and soft, yes, I release them and reward them. And I can actually teach that where I can feel the intensity of how hard they're holding onto an object. And then I just encourage them to hold things lightly. There's also the way I don't fr completely free shape a retrieve like some reward-based trainers do. There's a little bit of obligation on the hold, even though I'm using rewards the whole way along, meaning I make you hold onto some object in your mouth. And because of that obligation there, where I'm placing an object in your mouth and making you hold onto it, they tend not to hold it hard because they're like, I don't want you sticking that piece of PVC pipe in my mouth. And I go, yes, you do. And I put it in there <laughs> and they hold it for a second. I go, yes, and you get your reward. And so in that process, they learn to kind of hold things lightly. And for a lot of dogs that learn that way are, are sport dogs, uh, where sometimes we want them to firm up their hold. Like in IGP, for instance, when a dog holds a dumbbell, they want the dog to hold the dumbbell firmly. They don't want to see a light hold. But a hunting dog would be perfect. The dog holds it lightly in its mouth and doesn't crush your bird, right? Which is the ideal. And then you're going to encourage that. So I just work through that. And for the dogs, they do. They know the difference, right? My old sport dog, Pi, I used to do stuff with him. And if you played tug with him, he'd crush stuff. But I could have him retrieve an egg and he would pick it up and not break it, right? Because he learned to hold certain things gently in his mouth and others not. And I sort of take that tack. It's more training time. So if you talk to the retriever people and stuff, like they're relying a lot on a genetically soft mouth because they're force fetching the dogs. They're teaching their whole entire retrieve through negative reinforcement. And so if you, they're applying stress to the dog, and the dog shuts off that stress by taking an object in their mouth, right? So the dogs become a little desperate to get the object in their mouth as part of the, the, the structure of that. And so if I have a dog that genetically has a harder mouth, right, teaching the retrieve that way, when they realize that taking the object in their mouth shuts off the pressure, they go, and they crush it, right? And so they really grab it because there's a stress in that. But if I teach it the way we teach it, then I don't get that. And then we talked about it a little bit yesterday, and I'll talk about it some today because it's part of what I consider finishing work, um, that I can layer 
a, a forced retrieve, a forced fetch, ultimately, is a behavior that dog's taught to retrieve through, purely through negative reinforcement. So I have an object, the dog learns, I turn on pressure, the dog puts its mouth on the object, pressure shuts off, right? There's lots of methodologies for this. It's been done to billions of dogs for, for years, right? And so people do ear pinches, they do toe hitches, they do back ties, they do electronic collars. There's a lot of different methodologies to apply subtle pressure to a dog until they take an object in their mouth, right? And there's a very big difference, a dog that's learning those behaviors with negative reinforcement. They don't know what take is, they don't know what hold is, they don't know what you're asking them to do, but we set up a set of circumstances where they'll figure it out because they don't have other options, right? Lots of forced retrieves are done with the dog up on a table, they have a short tie, they can't move anywhere, right? You're applying pressure to them and there's an object right in front of their mouth, they're like, ah, and you stick it in their mouth and then the pressure stops. And they're like, oh, I gotta put that thing in my mouth to make this stop, right? And so the dogs are learning that behavior in the cueing system while under stress and negative reinforcement. There's a big difference between that and then and teaching a behavior where the dog knows the words, knows the cues, knows the behavior, and then me layering negative reinforcement over it, right? It's what we were talking about yesterday with the turning, the redirection drills, right? I could teach my dog the redirection drills for rewards. They know what the cueing system is. I layer the leash in, and then I do negative reinforcement stuff. The thing we were talking about doing with the electronic collar. I turn on the collar, I say, let's go. They turn and it shuts off, but they already know what that is, right? And it's a really different mindset for the dog you get some of the benefits because there are benefits to behaviors learned in with negative reinforcement. There's a reason people like it, right? There's, there's a, uh, a, a business-like work ethic there. The dog says like, I have to do this. And they get the idea that they need to do this right from the beginning. And so there are some benefits to that work. It is still reinforcement. We talked about two forms of reinforcement yesterday. Yeah. But there's also fallout from it. There's stress-related stuff. There's the chance that the dog might escape into some other behavior that we don't like, right? And if they are successful escaping in some other way, they'll do that. That behavior's been reinforced. There's a lot of things about that. And we could argue there's a kind of fairness component too, right? None of us want to learn a brand new behavior while put under stress. It'd be nicer if somebody explained to us what's expected of us before they put us under stress. Right? And so I like to do the same thing for dogs if possible. <laughs> and so th there's a lot of reasons that you might, might look.